Get ready, because the Central Oregon Comics Guild is coming at you right now. It's the first ever meeting for a podcast of the Central Oregon Comics Guild. We're not even sure of our name yet. It's a very rough sound, but it's our first crack at it. Stay with us for our thoughts on comics, the industry, personal insights, and revelations. From Central Oregon's comic book leaders, with members of Geek Geek Nerd Nerd, Pegasus Books in Bend, Wildfire Comics, The Nonprofit, and Airship Cascadia. Get ready for an inspired hour with Chris, Matt, Cameron, Justin, Dresden, and Phil. Welcome to the Central Oregon Comics Guild. I'm Chris Columbus, and I own Geek Geek Nerd Nerd, which is what's behind us here. We have comics, collectibles, all kinds of stuff. I've got several people here from the comics industry to fans of comics. Um, and we'll just start off with a roundtable introduction, starting off over here with Justin. Yeah, I'm Justin. Uh, I don't own any awesome comic shop or work at one, but I just love comics and read them nonstop. It's been all my yeah, good afternoon, listeners out there in Comic Book Land. My name is Dresden Walkabout Dude Moss. I am the owner and writer and publisher of Air Cascadia Comics out of Madras. And you're joining this fine group of comic book enthusiasts whose goal in life is to bring comic book fame to Central Oregon. I'm um, Matthew Funk, and uh, I worked at Pegasus Books uh, along with Cameron. I've worked there for about five years. I've been reading comics for a decade now. I'm Cameron Saunders. I'm the manager of Pegasus Books, uh, where I've also worked for about five years. Uh, I think he, he scooped us all up about the same week. Um, Lost the one previous employee and then we were both in. Nobody to cast the hours up to now. But um, yeah, no, I've been reading uh, comics since I was. Uh, that's a hard one to track. Um, since I was reading, basically, I guess, off and on. But the first comic book store I consistently found a shop at is the one that I worked at. What, uh, what's the first comic you ever read? Um, well, the first comic that I ever got, I only got to read a few pages of, and then my mom threw it away. It was a Magic the Gathering comic. She was going through a bit of a Catholic phase. Uh, so <laughs> uh, and she threw it away. Um, I'm Phil Rodriguez. i reading comics for a long time, but I got out of it trying to act a cool person and recently got back into them, and I've just started enjoying them so much. I want to uh, spread the word as much as I can, and uh, I want to start a nonprofit group that provides uh, comic books to kids for free. And that way they can experience all the awesomeness that the uh, culture of comic books has to offer. So, uh... Um, let's talk about promotions and what's going on. Well, for me, Geek Geek Nerd Nerd, um, we just got done doing our second anniversary sale. We've been here in this store for two years and another store really? previous to that. I didn't realize you've been here that long. Congratulations. Thank you. Yeah, so uh, we just we just finished our uh, sale, 50% off sale, which was nuts. I'm not sure exactly why I did that, but I did. It worked. Um, from here, what's coming up? I think our next big thing is going to be in September, which is Rose City Comic Con, which we're exhibiting in. We'll be uh, doing a booth up there. So promotions for Cascadia? Yes, we have um, doing the first uh, Central Oregon uh, comic book illustrator writer contest on the book visionaries of Central Oregon. It started July 1st and is going to run through July 1st of next year. There are four quarters to it. We're hoping to attract uh, Central Oregon artists and writers to be involved in this. And eventually, uh, who knows, we might find... Uh, promising talent here and uh, promote the Central Oregon area. Um, also, I 
currently am redoing a comic book series called Rise that came out in the small press days back in the 90s, and I'm getting ready to complete the third of the three parts to it. I'll be publishing on it. So check us check us out on Amazon. Check us out on our website. That's to everybody. I know there's a lot, you know, from my experience here, I've had a lot of different artists coming in lately. We're putting together a coloring book of artwork from local area artists, and so we've had some people submitting some stuff to us. It looks awesome. Like, I'm amazed at some of the talent that, that we have here. Uh, That's a cool idea. There's, there's a lot of people, I think there's a lot of artists in this area that we may not know about because we're in such a weird area. So we've, we've got a big range of, of people that are here. Anything going on over there in Pegasus? Um, yeah, a few things. Uh, I have uh, just taken over the uh, ordering of the board game, so I'm undergoing, uh, I guess, what I would call passive-aggressive expansion Passive-aggressive? Yeah. Well, you know, I'm not trying to draw any lines in the sand or nothing. In the history of the store, because we do so many different things, we have had uh, competitors come in in a certain field that have tried to be really antagonistic. Um, and, you know, I, I can't speak for, for uh, my boss's attitude on, on the matter when it happened to him, um, but I know that I'm just trying to avoid it at all costs. Um, actually, I, I have to admit, I was really, really happy to meet you. Um, last time we all got together uh, because uh, the longer that I knew about the store that I didn't have a chance to humanize you, the more I was like, what is, what, how does he do it? How do I have to do it? <laughs> it's, it's really nice to see that you're this passionate, friendly uh, supporter of literacy because it, you know, it makes me uh, be able to communicate with you as a fan rather than this shadowy figure. You know, the the shadowy, evil, yeah. other side of um, town. The other thing is, though, um, we did just, uh, this is new for us, we have dollar bins now. Um, we had a small quarter bin for a little while, which was very popular, uh, but it's really difficult to consistently fill up uh, a book of stuff that you want to get rid of for, you know, like, like no profit whatsoever. Um, so I put together a, a much larger variety of stuff that's a book. Um, so we actually have some Marvel and DC stuff in there. So. Um, that's nice. I, you know, when I did start reading and could only find, like, garage sales and, and swap meets and stuff and couldn't find comic stores, uh, 50 cent bins was my only in. And so it's important to me to have uh, affordable stuff. The kids whose parents won't drop $5 on not a real book, you know. <laughs> drop $7 bucks on a candy bar. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Don't get me started either. <laughs> I made the whole analogy to somebody one day about, okay, a candy bar when you bought it in the 80s, how much was it? It was 25 cents, right? 25, 30 cents. Candy bar now when you go into a store is how much? Dollar, dollar fifty. So you equate the difference in price on a candy bar to the difference in price on a comic book. Comic book back in the 80s was 75 cents. Now a comic book is 3.99. It's actually the exact same percentage but higher the, as what candy bars were. But the quality of a comic book has gone up, and the quality oh. of a candy bar has gone down. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. You know, exactly. Okay. You don't mint in your peppermint patties anymore. Tell the masses. <laughs> Um, as far as the uh, nonprofit goes, I did post a bunch of uh, handouts and our flyers. I got those out uh, around Bend and a couple of them applied. I've been working on my articles of incorporation. The hang-up I'm having right now is called a, dissolu or a dissolution of funds or of your assets. So let's become successful and I have 
stacks and stacks of comic books. If I get hit by a truck, something needs to happen with those. I can't just give them to anybody. They have to go to another nonprofit, preferably somebody who's like-minded. Um, and so I've reached out to a couple different places trying to get them to sign on as that. Um, so once I can get that, I can fill out that section and then get the uh, articles and corporation filed. So I've also been working on my mission statement and my vision. I've read Understanding Comics. Uh, what was the author of that again? Scott McCloud. Scott McCloud, great book. Let's see here. I also purchased and am reading uh, the nonprofit kit for dummies. So I know that the whole dummies thing, but it's really been helpful, I have to admit. So maybe I said something well, about I mean, it. I mean, it's your dummy, and it just means they're giving you the better yeah, chance to learn it. And I got it for 54 cents off uh, on Amazon or something like that with the CD for 54 cents. Like the shipping was way more. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, and as far as things I have coming up, I'm still going to be working on my articles from Corporation. I'm going to start drafting up my business plan. And I'm going to be looking for a fiscal sponsor, which is another nonprofit that I could work with that will accept tax-deductible donations in my name, but I really need to get my ducks in a row a little bit more before I go to somebody and present my idea to their board and everything. I want to make sure it's really good. So if anybody was curious, I'll read my mission statement. So uh, it's called Wildfire Comics. So the purpose of Wildfire Comics is to improve the literacy, relationships, appreciation of writing in the arts, the inspiration and overall happiness of children through the gift of free comic books and all the lessons, opportunities, and perspectives that they provide. The achievement of this goal will be accomplished by the physical and electric distribution of free comic books and graphic novels to children, their parents, and teachers. Working in alignment with schools, public libraries, children's hospitals, community events such as county fairs and farmers markets, um, and our own organization's website, reading library, and staff presentations, uh, we will give the children the opportunity to experience comics to their fullest. So that's kind of just my mission statement. My vision, which they say is your dream, I would say would be to be the best resource for children to achieve a more enriched life by providing them with a free opportunity to experience the diverse and extraordinary environment of comic books. It's kind of where I'm trying to get at. I think I covered all my bases, who I'm looking to help, how I'm going to help them, and what the good of the help would do for all of us. So, you know, not only literacy and all those other things, but just the comic book community in general. So, yeah, that's what I've been up to. I'm going to steal your uh, mission statement and just take out the free part. <laughs> <laughs> Last time we met, um, we talked about a couple of comics that I uh, wanted to read and kind of talk about and go over, and then we're going to talk a little bit about Comic-Con and then talk about uh, what's coming out this week. Comics we read last week. Uh, let's start off with first one, We Stand Guard. On guard. Or We Stand On Guard. Thank you, Justin. So We Stand On Guard. I'm a little bit, you know, I, that question is a rhythm deck. We Stand Guard rolls up the tongue a lot better than that. Yeah. I think We Stand On Guard is a reference to a song that's like a okay. war song or something. Oh, yeah, that's right. Far be it for me to question the wisdom of the Brian Cable. <laughs> so, we, we Stand on Guard is uh, essentially a comic that's about uh, the U.S. invading Canada over water. As right? You lightly mentioned that water is a driving force. And it's notable that it takes place in the year 2012. Oh, nice. I didn't even realize that. So if you didn't hear what Justin just said, the year is 20, 2112, which is an absolute Rush reference. So that's awesome. Good job, Brian Cavon. Is Rush Canadian, too? Yeah. Yeah. Can you leave Leave it to Brian Cavon to, to throw in all these little layers of stuff that as you start getting into it, you're like, oh, oh, really? Oh. Okay. Yeah, the opening of this is fantastic. Uh, yeah, and the, well, just the, yeah, the very beginning of it where they're all kind of like questioning, like, oh, where are all these bombs coming from? And no one's like, 
U.S. is bombing Canada, they're all like, oh, it's like the Russians, or is it these guys? No, it's just, it's just the U.S. to come in and take them. God, it's so hard, too. It's so, so villainous. The Vietnam Gore, and then, of course, your, your big bad is, is the U.S. Yeah. It's a very, uh, very bold comic. Like, the presentation of it throughout the whole thing, just from the first page, first few pages of what you said, the, the Gore that they're yeah, right off the right off the bat with the explosion towards the front, where you're just like, "Holy crap, what?" Yeah, to, and then to turn the page and you have the uh, you know, people in the wastelands and everything is just very, very, yeah, very bold, very, very in your face about the whole thing. And then obviously, you know, pages Superman's a motherfucking Canadian. <laughs>
that gives you an opportunity to detach the audience from their connection to nationalism and go, well, let's look at this as maybe if you were a different country looking at a United States conflict or if you were uh, easily today, you could, as a citizen of the United States, you could look at conflict between um, the two countries that you don't necessarily have a vested interest or even understanding. Um, and, and, it, and it allows you to experience that kind of a story built around the infrastructure of uh, maybe something that's a little too close to home than if you hadn't set it in. That's why using the, the water as the motivating factor is pretty smart, too, because that way you're not, like, if it was oil and everybody would be like, oh, it's probably the Republicans that are for if it was, you know, something else, it would be the, you know, it's a very, if you water, you can see it doesn't matter what political party, you know, pretty universal. going to go to war for that. You know, yeah. it's a very, yeah, it's a very, very universal thing. What's the old Mark Twain said that, uh, see, your whiskey's for drinking, water's for fighting. <laughs> It's especially, it's especially for me, it's kind of poignant after driving through California. I don't know if you guys have been to California lately, but as you drive the, up the I-5 corridor, there are signs everywhere saying how it's unfair that the Northern Californians don't have access to Oregon's water um, due to the, you know, the whole political aspect of, of everything. But it's kind of the same story where we might have California invading Oregon for our water because they want our water because they don't have enough of, of their own. The world's food supply needs our water. It's true. What's interesting about bringing up the concept of the U.S. invading Canada, you would not have seen that in a movie or even a book 20 years ago because of the, the attitude of most Americans. But having been traveled far beyond this border, I can tell you right now, but the attitude of most of this planet is not very positive towards this country. And this is a, this is a nice statement of saying, look, folks, these are what other people think of your country. Very, very good point. Well, and just the deconstruction of how precious it is. Even if you want to be, if you, nobody wants, is necessarily needs to, or wants to take away your national pride, but don't believe for a second that your country is above what everyone else is, or that it isn't capable of doing things that have done and maybe will do. Or it hasn't been the originator of some of these evil things and shown other countries yeah. that yeah, do it. Yeah, I could give you a, a 10 page list on some of that, but it's not just by the way, Brian K. Vaughan is an American writer born in Cleveland, Ohio, so, you know, he's not Canadian. But, but I think that's a really good point that you make that, that I think Brian K. Vaughan is making us kind of take a look at ourselves. If it continues on this way, I'm not sure, that's just that I don't know what's coming in the future for the comic, but, you know, take it in, in aspect of this is how others view the United States as somebody that, as a tyrant, as a bully, as somebody with all the weapons that can come in and just obliterate someplace and and take what they want. It's particularly brilliant that he's doing it in a way that's uniquely identifiable as an American because it's, you know, this ragtag tag group that's just trying to protect, you know, them and theirs from this sort of invasive empire. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, without naming the names of the countries, you might pick a different uh, antagonist. You might pick a different, you might put America on the other side of that, but that's not, that's not what they're doing with this story. By the way, we're talking about Brian K. Vaughn, the writer, Steve Scrooge. Scru <laughs> uh, he he's never really done very much in comics, but he did story for arts for uh, the Matrix trilogy. So that's Steve Scross, the artist, and then you have the color, colorist, Matt Hollingsworth, with lettering and design by Phonographics, and the coordinator, Eric Stevenson, printed by Image Comics.
Next comic we have up, um, I don't think everybody's read, but a few of us have read it, and that's uh, Wicked and Divine. So issue number 11 is the last issue that came out. For the sake of the people that haven't read it yet, we're not going to spoil it with what happened in issue number 10. <laughs> I, I mean, I, when you are as behind as I am and surrounded by people as excited as I am, you know, you're in the spoiler splash zone. <laughs> did, did you have that spoiled for you? Well, the problem is that I can't even keep the character name straight. I haven't read it. I don't have the context. So maybe I'll have completely forgotten by the time I, I do get to experience it. Um, but I, I don't know the significance of certain characters being, you know, announced as whatever may be the case or, or you know, certain events. I've, I've read every issue and I have hard time the characters in this book because they're all named after very... Yeah, so basically if you didn't hear what Matt just said, uh, you have different deities from, from different religions that essentially, for, for Wicked and Divine, they, they can come back every 90 years, inhabit the, a human body, and then when they inhabit that human, they, they basically can live for two years, and then they're done, they die, that person dies, you know, and it's another 90 years before they come back. And uh, so you have multiple deities, and essentially when, they, when, when these deities take on their, their human form, they become some sort of a celebrity or, you know, some sort of a super singer or whatever the case may be. It's it's a it's a nice uh, corroboration between like real life versus you know this this fantasy world. Um, for instance, where I see characters basically resemble the celebrities that we have in our life right now. For instance, you have Ball, who is in essence Kanye. Yeah. You know, so you Which have is, uh, Daft Punk. Exactly, exactly. So you have the Daft Punk character. You have I thought Lucifer. You know, Lucy. It's a female character, and I thought that was Miley Cyrus. Did you think it was Bowie? See, there's a lot of interpretation that I hear on that one. In Anna, I thought in Anna because he has like the star. Oh, Anya, yeah. Or just visually, at least, he looks more like Prince to me. Prince. Yeah, that's what we got was Prince. Kind of borrowing the stage dressing of the previous, you know, generation. You almost this specific grouping of characters lends itself to. Well, you know, maybe that's not your period of music, so you can relate these characters to a completely different pool of, um, um, you know, real people. True. Yeah, just as much as archetypes of men, they're also kind of musical archetypes too, which is something that, you know, that Kieran Gillen does all the time. Mm -hmm. He's been doing it, uh, phonogram for since he started doing comics. Uh, but yeah, the, the way that he plays with that kind of, there's always these icons that pop up of certain styles of sort of certain genres that are just kind of always there. It's a pretty interesting interesting story to tell there. A fun question that's wildly irrelevant to the conversation. Um, given that idea, who do you, who uh, from any period of history do you place as a visiting god? <laughs> What's the question again? Given where, the, where, where do you start with a question the like that? Given the mythology behind this, the idea that the live fast die young define a generation of art and then burn out celebrities are all possibly gods visiting, then who do you, who in the immediately springs to your mind? The forever, forever 27 people, guaranteed. I don't know if you guys, have you seen yeah, the, the, the Forever 27 Jimmy picture? Jimmy Hendrix, Janis Joplin, uh, 
Jim Morrison. Uh, yeah, a lot of those. Kurt Cobain is on that list now. How old was Bob Marley? Well, Elvis, I wouldn't necessarily put on that list because he's older than 45 and he lasted for a lot longer than what about two or three years. Belushi would be a big one for me. I'd like to see that. Yeah. I could definitely see him as a, a god. <laughs> <laughs> Comedy and hedonism. <laughs> so, yeah, those are, those are what comes to my mind. Janis Joplin, Jim Morrison. These are people that became popular and they were popular for, what, two, three years max. <laughs> and they had such a profound effect on our society that you still talk about them yeah. 40, 50 years later. The thing that people always throw out is like, oh, what would the next movie that James Dean have made? You know, what, what would be the effect if we had these people for a few more years? And it's incalculable because with the time that they had, we, we do not yet have the context to measure their effect because it's still happening. Yeah, because I, I mean, if, if you take a look at, uh, you know, stars that, that have become really big and in a two or three year period and then have gone away, but they're still here with us, you know, they haven't passed away, uh, they kind of burn out and then you don't hear anything for years, which they're still working, they're still doing, you know, whatever it is that they love, they're still doing it. They're just not pushed to that elevation anymore. So has the God left them or... You know, oh, what interesting. Could that be? But that's that's kind of what I would see happening with, with some of the divine inspiration. Yeah, it, it kind of goes to the muse. Oh, that's so thing. tragic. You know, it, it's it's poetic in its way because you know At to be given divine inspiration and to have it taken away, you know, you can't really be upset about it because it was never really your art in the first place. Except At least you had it to be years. given the power to create, to be given the power to. Yeah, it's funny that you. <laughs> I know, you, you get so much out of it. I'm yeah. sure I would. I'm sure I would. It's hard when you, when, like, I'll, I'll, I used to squirrel so much stuff away uh, to my box to read later, but I found that, you know, somebody would come in and add, East of West is the best example of the book that I had the first printing on my box when the third printing came out. We were sold out of the second printing, and we were sold out of the third printing, so somebody came in looking for it, and I sold them my first printing. And I sold it to him for cover price because I wanted to read the book. And I'm not going to stand in the way of somebody reading it. That's very, very to this nice. day, I have not read a single issue of these books. Very nice of you to do that. That's, yeah. Where are we going with this conversation? I'm not guys? <laughs> your, uh, your, uh, your attitude towards comics that you were talking about in your introduction sort of backfired. You, that? you mentioned that you, you stopped reading comics to, to fit in with the cool crowd. And, then comics turned around on you and got cool. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you can tell a real dork because I'm desperately trying to fit in anywhere I can. So, like, you know, trying to be cool in high school, I don't want to read comics. And, you know, even as an older adult, you know, it's like I'm still being macho. And then finally I got a hold of a, a book again and I read it and it just... It just took me back, and it took me back so hard. Like I just couldn't believe it. And you just go, and it's like, man, what was the book that got you? Into? I'm kidding. Um, yeah. It's a. Uh, it was just the during it's like the Conan, the, the Marvel Conan's, uh, the 180s. Um, it was just a story where Conan fights this guy, the Devourer of Souls. Um, and when I was a really, really young kid, after the movie just came out, the Arnold movie, um, you know, I didn't have a lot of money, so one of the things I was able to get was a comic book. And I actually bought this series of that story, and I remember reading it when I was really, really young, and just the, when I got that book again, and all the characters that came back, you know, and just the, the advertisements, the smell of the pages, all that stuff is, you know, to me, it brought me back, and I got it, you know, I was just like, man, this is great, I'm going to be in this again, and then what do you know, it starts becoming popular, you know, and even more popular, I should say, you know, I've always liked
like them, but even now it's really, you know, started to really, really take off again. So I just happened to be on the so you know, hipster kind of thing again, maybe, I don't know. <laughs> so it wasn't a case of a new book sort of winning you back over, it was just, you just found something, in this case, a book that had been around, and it just reminded you. And I think, and then being a little bit more of an adult now, I'm a little bit more open to how I feel, and, uh, you know, so if I like something, I'm going to go with it. You know, I'm not going to, I'm not a seventh grader anymore who's going to go play football because that's what all the other guys are doing. You know, it's like, well, no, I'm going to screw you. This is a really cool picture, and I really like this story, and I don't care what, you know, I, I'm doing it all, and I'm sharing it with my daughters, which is a, a whole new experience I didn't even think, didn't even think of. And it's super, it's more rewarding than anything I was going to think of either. Such a pure art form, such a good medium that has so many different values and perspectives on it. It, it blows me away when I start really getting into thinking about comic books and how they affect people. It's It really is, it kind of blows my mind. Does that answer your question? Yeah. <laughs> sorry, going off a little bit. I, I'm sorry, I've just become extremely... You're going on! I've become extremely passionate about it in the last year or so, so two years. And that's when I, when I say that I do a lot of guesswork. The passion is not guesswork. Um, I think every, that everybody here um, is an infectious amount of love for what we're talking about. That's our goal, is to spread the love. Spread the love, exactly. Spread the infection. What happened in issue 11? <laughs> Basically, without trying to get into spoiler territory, you've got aftermath of the huge events that happened in the issue before it and people mourning of sorts and it's focusing on a new character that they introduced this that who's the assistant a former assistant to uh, Cassandra who was you know she turned into the three gods in one chick two three issues ago still spoilers so I can't if you haven't read it at all I can't not I mean you I think you've got it's almost impossible to... yeah. yeah but basically you're she's trying to get a story and make a documentary but she doesn't want to be the same old point thing so she finds a way to get some action and uh, manipulate all into a faction for Morgan looking for Batman who's another like that's the other big there's two big cliffhangers from the last issue and yeah what happened Batman and a fight that he had with another god and then the other was the main character so like a dad having Pokemon explained to him right now <laughs> <laughs> Probably so sprawling and beautiful and epic, and I just—it's just a series of names that don't. That's how I felt the last like two months. So yeah. yeah, yeah, that's basically you're still the aftermath of a very huge two two main huge events that happened that involve deaths of characters that you have very much invested in by this time, and it, that's why it blew everyone's mind. Broke the internet because it smashed the world compared to you guys. you don't that out. Just to tell you about like the effect of Wicked and Divine on my family. So we got comics in. Uh, this was back when issue number 10 came out. By the way, Wicked and Divine, issue number 10. That's like the big key issue that, yeah, you scream in a comic book. So so my wife read it. She she uh, was in a different room than what we were in. We were working on comics in another room. And uh, she read it, and all of a sudden we heard screaming coming from the other room. And we're like world is going on in there and then she comes running in and she's like okay you have to stop whatever you're doing right now and read this I don't care what it is you're doing you have to read this right now and so we all sat down and read because we were all caught up on Wicked and Divine so Chris and I read it and Chris and I at about the exact same time as we're reading it we're both yelling at the comic like what what why 
compound on what Chris was saying the very next day, you know, I came and purchased said comic book. And the, for the first time ever, Chris comes up to me and I hadn't purchased this comic yet. He just threw it at me and was like, read this now for you. <laughs> and I did. And yes, I was back in the bathroom yelling. <laughs> no! What? <laughs> why? Just why? So it was very... It's that kind of, my wife, she didn't want to read it here, and then on the way home, I kept up, I can't not talk to you about this book right now. We're in the car, going to get Jack in the Box, and I made her read it in the car, and we're in the drive-thru, and she was like, doing everything she could to not scream in the drive-thru around there. <laughs> <laughs> oh, sorry, it's kind of like Images Effect, um, I was just going to segue, um, Images Effect on other comic book companies. Take a look at Archie right now. You've got a new Archie book with Archie for Archie uh, Comics, and uh, I think Archie has been kind of trying to do this for the last few years, with especially with the afterlife of it's Archie. Definitely going through Exactly. So you've got a new Archie. You've got an Archie for a modern day. Um, that's also another book that's on a lot of our lists of, of readership. It is. I think that you were the one that told me to read it, and the way that you basically put it, the way that, that, that Matt um, had, had put it to me, uh, was basically like, even if you aren't actively reading Archie, these are indelible archetypes. You know these characters, and they have so much less ground to cover to get you to care about them when they're in a dire situation. Yes, because that was actually comparing to The Walking Dead, too, because still, at the end of the day, in The Walking Dead, you met those people after shooting them. Whereas in Archie, is like, you know these kids have been living in the perfect all-American town. 1950s town for 60 years. Yeah, yeah. And, and so they're all these just, like, perfectly innocent kids, and then you have a zombie invasion happen, and it's like, it, you know, it just, like, has this immediate tension that's built into the idea, which is really brilliant. So, yeah, I was, after Afterlife, I was thinking, Okay. Uh, <laughs> I thought it was very cool. It's something that kind of how Matt was saying. It's very easy to relate to these, you know, like everybody's gone through what they're going through, a breakup. You know, it's very a story that's easy to grab a hold of and just go, like, okay, yeah, I understand what's going on. There's not a lot of background on it. And you just like, hey, I dated this girl, and now I do broke up. And then I just do that. You know, him getting on stage for the first time playing music and things like that. It's very cool. It's like. So the kissing incident. The lipstick, the lipstick, the lipstick, lipstick incident. Yeah, the lipstick incident. Hashtag lipstick incident. Yeah. Some lipstick on some. We don't know what's going on there yet. Or like, yeah, but very, it's a very Tarantino storytelling thing right. for an Archie comic of just like saying, like having this one idea that they keep mentioning and then never actually explaining what it is. And I'm sure. The, so I think I think this is going to be the beginning of an overarching story <laughs> and uh, overarching Archie story. Exactly. That's new world. That's that's what I was just. That's, that's what I was just thinking. Was uh, you've got, you know, they've they've never, as far as I've known, they've never done that in Archie comics. It's always been self-contained stories within each comic or within each Archie digest. Or, you know, it's a digest size book. Yeah. Exactly. One of the things that I really like about it, and they still they give Archie the character a fairly timeless look. But with a lot of the characters, the character design has been, I think Archie's always kind of been fiercely modern in the way they try to present it, but uh, I think the town and the side characters especially, they needed an update because um, I think that a lot of people read Archie when they're looking forward to being a teenager, you know, when you're 10, 12, and, um, and it's, it's fake. It's the John Hughes high school. There's no town in the world. 
anything like Riverdale, but it's a fun fantasy. But it, it's, it's, I, I can identify with the characters, I can recognize the characters, and I certainly think that um, whether it's how they act or talk or look, there are cool things to look up to and emulate for kids in this book that maybe there wasn't in the book, the Archie books that were coming out even a couple years ago. I think it's vice versa, too. It works the other way around. Where, you know, as an older person, you read the Archie book and you're like, oh, here's this cool kid, and it's somebody you can identify with, you know, as far as the issues that he's dealing with. You've been through them before when you were younger. Pretty instantly identifiable. And they're, I mean, they are important characters. It's, it's really easy and it's really welcome right now for somebody to come in and say, oh, Superman's been around for 75 years for a reason, and I don't discount that. But Archie's been around for a really long time, too, and he doesn't have any powers. Um, he's, he's, again, another indelible archetype. Uh, fiercely American creation that has stood the test of time and deserves a modernization. So I got a little bit of a question. You guys were talking about Archie and, you know, like uh, this new book, and it's a book that a lot of people know in America, so it's one year, a starter book. Being relatively new and having family that I always want to introduce to new stuff and a wife I desperately want to get into comic books, what, is there some books that you guys would recommend as, I know this is a really kind of broad question, but as, as starter intro books, and then realizing, asking this question, how broad of a question that is, okay, so maybe I should be asking, how do you guys even break down, when you see a person come to the door, you know, and you want to say, okay, I'm going to give them this kind of book, how do you look at, do you even break that person down, and say, okay, this person is, you know, an older lady, she's going to like to, you know, read this comic, this person's a younger boy who's obviously into action or something. Do you guys do that? How would you do that? I mean, most generally when I'm trying to sell people things, I'll ask them what they like, like as far as like TV shows or movies, and try and like relate that to something that I can like. Well, for so, so like, so for a kid, you would rec you would try to think. Or, yeah, so like if a kid comes in and is like, I'm trying to get a comic book for the first time, to be like, okay, what TV shows do you watch? What movies do you watch? And he's like, oh, I like Star Wars, and I like, you know, if he says he likes a bunch of sci-fi stuff, I'll try and relate it. I'll be like, okay, maybe you like December, and like some other sci-fi, maybe you'll be seeing on Dark Matter, probably. Chris, I had to do that the other day where a 10 year old kid brought We Stand on Guard up to the counter and he's like, oh, I want this one. And she looks at him and she's like, You might try a different comic. Let's, and so she tried her hardest to find another one where it had a mech on the cover of it. She's like, Well, how about Transformers? That That's kind of hard right now, friendly. too, because as the readership is widening, you have kids coming in for comics for the first time in a while. I mean, people don't realize comics. Haven't been produced with kids in mind for a while because kids have not been customers for a while. Uh, but now they're coming back in and they're asking for things like Deadpool and Walking Dead and stuff that their parents are probably fine with in as much as they understand it. But you haven't been in here and you don't understand what it is he's going to be walking out of the store with or she's going to be walking out of the store with. It's very, very difficult to then go, okay, you like Deadpool, you want Deadpool, Deadpool exists as a comic, but might I recommend this thing you've never heard of? My daughters trust you guys. <laughs> <laughs> so do you guys have, like, give go-to books? So, like, you know, you... Probably, yeah. 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 Um, so give me some examples of some of the go-to books you guys have as... I try and tell what I would use to people as, at any time I can. I frequently come into work after Matt. <laughs> <laughs> We're all out of everything here. <laughs> yeah, uh, uh, Jonathan Nathan, the guy who writes Super Wars, um, his very first image book is called Miami News, um, and it's one that he actually uh, drew himself as well, was um, the next one he did after that was called Pax Romana. Um, but the Nightly News is a pretty easy sell to people just on the basis that the idea of the comic is that there's a group of, like, assassins, basically, that uh, they're 
whole idea, their whole purpose is to kill people in the corporate media. That's a pretty appealing uh, <laughs> <laughs> pretty much everybody. All right, so, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, that's a big one that I always feel I try to tell people too, because it's always uh, and it's a self-contained uh, part of the series of the book. So that's one that I always sell. That's a good go-to one. I sell Why the Last Man is a really, really good one to get people in on. Uh, pretty, like, a pretty quick concept. And you find that all the dudes are gone, just women in this one guy. And then, you know, it's a really easy idea to explain to people and to understand, for people to understand why that's appealing. And it's super comic booky and high fantasy and genre trope. I mean, it's, it's the Vincent Price movie. Um, but nobody wears a cape. So it's a little bit easier to sell people on some of the time. A lot of people come in looking for superheroes because, you know, the movies and everything. Um, but a lot of people don't. A lot, And right now, there's a lot of Westerns, there's a lot of science fiction, there's a lot of horror. So there's a, a wider array of genres than there has there been for a while. And another thing that Image, again, is kind of directly behind a lot of this, yeah. is that they also put out $10 first volumes for the vast majority of their trade paperbacks. I think Walking Dead went up to 15 because they're going to sell that regardless. But most of their new titles, the first volume is $10. That means for about what it would have cost you to buy the first two issues, you get the first five or six. A lot of people think that, that more people are reading comics because they've seen the movies. Um, what they don't understand is that hundreds of millions of people are watching the movies and hundreds of millions of people are not paying into comics. Uh, but readers are made on a one-for-one -one basis. The thing that is going to develop readers in math is having a lot of stories. And when you do have a lot of stories, and they're super affordable like they are with Image, and you're getting a whole chunk of story, and it can be any genre. I think most, if not all, of my go-to recommendations right now, I won't say, I definitely won't say all, because I recommend a lot of what Marvel's been putting out. I recommend Miss Marvel to anybody that walks through the door, uh, the new Ghost Rider. I live in a world where I personally go out and defend and recommend Ghost Rider. That is an insane revelation in my life. The rock, rock, the rock is. is amazing, yeah. Uh, but a lot of them are image, because I can, I can pick up something like Sex Criminals, which, uh, for somebody who's of 18, but boy, <laughs> girl, any walk of life, I can say this is a super raunchy romantic comedy with a sci-fi twist. It's very cheap to get into. Um, it's not going to be cheap going forward because you are going to come back and buy the rent. I think that's what we were talking about, too, the other day, is that uh, a lot of people, when they come in looking for comics, they're really overwhelmed because they have this idea in their head that if I come in and I don't know where to start because everything is in these huge universes and I have to know the whole history of everything. And a lot of people don't realize that you can just, like, no, you can just start, you know, one issue, just one issue, one book. All it, all it matters is that you're enjoying the story. It doesn't matter that you're, even if you are in the superhero universes, it doesn't matter if you understand everything. No one understands everything. I don't get everything. You know, I, my, yeah. I don't know, it's my, my DC knowledge is very lacking. I don't know a lot about a lot of DC stuff, especially right now. But the, uh, but yeah, there's so much. It's so easy to just to grab one book and just start there. And a lot of people, a lot of people, a lot of people, people are afraid. To yeah, a lot of people are afraid to get into it just because they think, oh, I, I have to understand everything. I, I don't even know. think you need a number one. It helps, it especially is. from a sales standpoint. It helps to put a number one in somebody's hands and tell them you know exactly as much as anyone else has held this book. Yeah, there's. But I tend to believe that the benefit and the nature of an individual comic book, especially over trade paperback, is this is four dollars. This is twenty pages. If you're going to like this series, you're going to like it no matter what number is on the cover. That's a good point. Yeah, it's, uh, with uh, Marvel and DC both, they both make comics uh, in such a way because they both do. They have these vast, huge universes, if not multiverses, 
where you've got multiple different universes and you have to keep track of all these different characters. She's not alive, but she's here because now I need to know two of them. Yeah, exactly. So there's these huge universes that, that can be overwhelming, but like Axel Alonso, he put it in such a way that every Marvel comic, and same thing for DC, they said they agreed that every comic that they make, they make to where you can pick up that individual comic, get a story out of it, and not have to know the entire background and history of whatever happened in that that comic. So you should be able to pick up any of the DC or Marvel books and read it and get a good story out of it and get a, a beginning, middle, and end, you know, act one, act two, act three out of the out of each book. They're, they're made pur purposefully that way. Yeah, if you read something like that and you, you didn't get, if you didn't enjoy it because you didn't understand something, that's not your fault, that's the comic's fault. Exactly. Being a complete yeah. story. Yeah. yeah. As Marvel especially, it's really commendable how they've made the effort to never use a comic to sell you a comic. DC, I really do appreciate that they're moving away from it, but I can't give them all the credit in the world. They still, if you're buying a book with, with Green Lantern in the title, you are kind of expected to buy every book with Green Lantern in the title. Um, but Hawkeye is in Hawkeye. He's in all new Hawkeye. He's in Secret Avengers. He's in The Avengers. And um, those are all slightly different interpretations of the character, and you are free to enjoy all of them, but you will never get to an issue, end of an issue of Hawkeye and, and, and read to find out what happens next. Picked up Secret Avengers number 14. It's never going to happen um, because that is the opposite of what generates readers. That pushes people away. And it also ties the hands of a writer. You, if, you're, if I'm writing Secret Avengers and I want to give Hawkeye a goat, that's maybe a little bit... Matt Fraction's a, a goofy, fun guy, but that's maybe a little bit sillier than what he's doing. And if I had to make these be books that took place at the same time, in the same place, with the same version of the same character, I wouldn't be allowed to do that. And if you're tying the writer's hands, then you're not telling... You're ultimately not telling a story. You're selling a product. See, I'll full-on admit right now I'm very... I mean towards DC. I'm not a fan of it. I don't hate Marvel or anything, but um, and I'll admit, like, they did get bad with, like, the dudes, man dudes. Yeah. That was terrible. It was like four or five books that have fallen. Well, the right truth now. right now is, yeah. like, I'm sitting here, I've got people that want the truth storyline, and, and they've got it in their pull list, and I'm well, sitting there going, And it's hard to even know where they're all, even, well, which, even three months in advance, <laughs> you know, the previous guy, yeah. it's hard to catch them all. But even, the even bigger problem than that is that I like Batman, I like some of Batman Superman, I like some of Superman Wonder Woman, I'm not reading the new Wonder Woman, like these stories to me shouldn't be linked. They're, they have different narrative styles and regardless of what my taste is, they're for people, largely different people. And it's it just I just don't understand how it can do anything but hurt the reader base to say, oh you're reading Wonder Woman, well you have to read action. Oh wow, cool! Is that is that also David Finch? Oh no, okay. And so one woman's in that. Oh no, well then why? See, but that's the thing is that I can see how it's like you know they share like the true title. But my experience with being a guy who's actually been reading not all of it, but some of it, it doesn't actually find like they really are going like continuity out the window because I'm reading action comics because I own every action comics they rebooted in 2011 and. I'm loving it, and I haven't had to go read Superman. I haven't had to go read Wonder Woman, Superman, or Batman, Superman. And they just seem to be using a lot of the same themes of, like, oh, Superman's these powers, except in Justice League. So um, you don't find it a problem from a reading standpoint. You just think that they're putting the logo on all the books just to sell more books. Yeah, it seems like they're, you know, they're like, maybe, and that could be some trickery on their part. You know, they're like, oh, well, you might think that this is tied in, but that's the only five books that you can think to. But my experience is 
I had no problems reading action comics, and I do not buy the main Superman book. I don't buy any of the Batman Superman right now. I know with Death of the Family, when they did the Death of the Family storyline, they would have like tie-ins like Batgirl or whatever other ones they had, and you would get that book, like say Batgirl. You get Batgirl because it's a tie-in to the Death of the Family storyline. You you think you're getting this other key thing that's going on in the story. Well, you read it and you find out by the very end that there's like two panels. Yeah, just that. Talk about the story. Really? I, I, that is a really heavy criticism that I have to lay on Batman from the onset of the New 52. Batman has been one of the best books that they've presented. It's remained one of the best books they've presented. But every single story arc has been a company-wide crossover, either with all the Bat books or all the all the books. The first story arc is, is um, uh, Night of the Owls, uh, or Court of the Owls, or whatever the, the title they have for it is, which crosses over with anything that's taking place near Gotham. The second story arc they do, I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, is Death of the Family. Crosses over with all the bad books. Court and Night were separate. Okay. Court of the Night of the and then it went Okay. And then after that, I think they did split a few issues between Zero Year and Gothtopia, both of which were company-wide crossovers. And that doesn't necessarily hurt Batman, but it hurts Nightwing. It hurts Batgirl. I, I love Batgirl right now, and, and did it again where they have a new Batman and so the new Batman has to show up in all the other Bat books and that was fine. It was handled very eloquently in Batgirl. I loved it. It, it informed the issue, informed the, the story really well. But the advantage that they have is that the new Batman has an established relationship with Batgirl. Mm. I'm sure it's very public information, spoiler, necessary. Uh, James <laughs> Gordon is the new Batman, uh, Barbara Gordon's father. Um, James Gordon is not Red Hood's father, though, so it's a little bit more clunky when you have to jam this new character into Red Hood and Arsenal, and I'm sure they'll probably do it in Grayson, and who knows, maybe uh, Chappie Batman will show up in Gotham Academy. <laughs> I'm not going to make up insults to throw it at DC. I'm just sort of kind of assuming that they are going to follow this model that they've done of needing to shoulder all of the other Bat books on to what's happening in Batman. And it's not hurtful to Batman. Batman's still great, but it ties the hands of the writers of the other books, which is what Marvel is by and large, not doing. That's another one where I was Batman, like, I, I read the main Batman title, he comes in with only defensive comics or anything, but I don't have a problem with that either. I, I think it's, like, it's brand new, you know, they just did this reboot after Convergence, and, like, I think they're finally right now just trying to figure out kind of what you're, you're saying, because it was a problem, obviously. Yeah. It's totally so you think they're, they're, they're putting it around? Yeah. This new, yeah, like, this new Continuity doesn't matter. Creativity or continuity and that's, that's, that's what it should be. If you really want to stick it to them, right now you can just read Justice League and like Superman has all his powers, Bruce Wayne's alive, and kick in and actually yeah. a god now. But, but. And that's that'll always be true. I mean the books that even it like if you don't like uh, female Thor, you're objectively wrong, but that's okay. <laughs> so, yeah, in a trade paperback or in some weird alternate universe crossover, like they're not going to stop printing stories about these characters. Uh, that's there for you because you're an established fan and supply and demand is an effect. But there are readers besides you. Um, so wrapping this up, it's the Central Oregon Comics Guild. I'm Chris. I'm Phil. Cameron. I'm Matt. Have a good night. Oh, Justin and Dresden. <laughs> <laughs> Justin and Dresden left. But have a good night.